Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen. Would you remain standing for the reading of God's word unless you want to do a sit-down stand-up, which I don't think we have any volunteers. Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. We're going to continue our series uh, Heart and soul. Pastor Chris did an amazing job last Sunday. Can you thank him? Appreciate him for that. And we're going to read uh, John chapter, uh, Joshua 10, verse 5, to sort of remind ourselves where we were. And then we're going to read verses 8 through 14. Joshua chapter 5, and a reminder, Israel has made a treaty with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites had kind of fooled them a little bit. Well, fooled them a lot into a treaty, if you reread that later, if you missed last week. And so five other kings with their armies have decided to uh, punish the Gibeonites. Joshua chapter 10, verse 5 says, Then the kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. Verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. Read that with me. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Ezekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Ezekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The sermon title, the main idea is that we be a candidate for divine intervention. That we be a candidate for divine intervention. My goal today is to convince you that God is at work in your life miraculously. Someone say, I need a miracle. And I want to encourage you to live a life, to live your life in such a way that you're a candidate for his intervention. We want to live in such a way that we invite him to be at work in, through, and around us. 
We need him. The only way you could ever become a Christian, you don't inherit saving faith from your parents. It doesn't matter how much a grandmother prays, that doesn't automatically save you as a grandson or granddaughter. At some point, every believer, without exception, comes to the conclusion that without God, they are nothing and can do nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus taught, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who have discovered that they are poor, they are destitute, and they know this in their spirit. They know deep down inside that without God, they have nothing and they can do nothing and they cannot get where they need to get. They cannot be who they want to be. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the first beatitude. Why? Because that's the gate to this journey with God. It's not just the financially struggling that realize they need God. It's the wealthy. It's the powerful that realize that they can be corrupted without a saving relationship with God. We need God's divine intervention. No one's got it so covered. No, one's got, no one is so prepared that they do not need God's work, God's help. Someone say, God help me. God help me. Every day, God help me. I need your help today. I need you to work today in my life. And so here in this passage with Joshua and now they're sort, kind of sort of friends, the Gibeonites, kind of sort of, we'll get into that in a minute. But because Israel has made a covenant with the Gibeonites, when the Gibeonites get attacked, Israel has to respond. And what we see here in this passage is the people of God keeping their word. And because the people of God keep their word, because the people of God, it's, it's, def, it's a cause and effect. Because the people of God keep their covenant, God intervenes. And he intervenes dramatically and powerfully. See, we want to live such a life by keeping our covenant with God that he shows up in your life in such a way that you can't take the credit. You can't take the glory. Nah, there's no way you can take the credit for what God has done for you. That's the kind of life that we want to live. We want you to be a candidate for divine intervention. Just three quick points. Number one is that divine intervention for the believer is our norm. This is where we live. This is where every sensitive, trusting believer lives. Is understanding God is at work in your life every minute of every day. He is intervening. He is interjecting himself. He is responding to your prayers. He's even responding to the, to the people who keep their covenant with him. He's even responding to prayers you should have prayed but weren't wise enough to pray. He is so good intervening in your life that he will even not answer prayers that you shouldn't have prayed 
but you did. Because you were sure that door was a winner. And the Lord knows there's monsters on the other side of the door. Can I get a witness? God is up to good in our lives. This is the norm of the believer. Later, uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I, I, I believe that this text teaches for the people that keep their covenant and in the saving covenant relationship with Christ, he begins to kind of filter. You know, we have this pool on the side of our yard and there's a lot of trees. It's like one of those above ground Costco pools because we ain't, we ain't putting a real pool in. Can I, can I get a witness? I mean, some of y'all got real pools. Praise them. We don't got a real pool. We got a fake one. And we put it, we put it, you know, where all the trees are. And so we're constantly filtering with, uh, you know, because we don't got a real pump. We got to do it by hand. I just, I just throw Levi in there and I say, go for it. He's my 11-year-old. Get rid of the, I see a bug. Oh, how many bugs? Never mind. I'm not going to tell you how many bugs. We're out there with that, what's it called? The skimmer? Is that what it's called? That's a technical word. Skimming it. We're skimming it. And I believe that as we grow in Christ, he skims our hearts. He starts to clean your heart. He starts to clean, take the stuff out of your vision. He begins to take the stuff out of your, 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 your attitude. He starts to take the, 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 the reckless stuff out of your personality. And because he begins to clean you up in a way that you couldn't clean up on your own, the way that your parents couldn't spank it out of you, the way that the principal couldn't detention it out of you, what you even wanted to be but you couldn't because you were all bent out of shape and gripey and hurt and offended, the Holy Spirit begins to skim that stuff out of your life. And what happens is you begin to see God where he always was, but you could never see him before. Because there was hurt in the way. There was offense in the way. There was resentment in the way. There were issues in the way. But the Holy Spirit begins to clean your heart. And, and, and because it makes your heart pure, you begin to see him at work in ways you never recognized before. Divine intervention. The Greeks call, have a nickname for the island of Cyprus, and they call it the Makarios Island. The Greek word Makarios means blessed, the blessed island. They call it the blessed island because they recognize the unique uh, beauty of it, the unique uh, temperature. It's a very temperate climate. Uh, it's, it's incredibly scenic. Whatever you need is on the island. So they call it Makarios. It's the blessed island. Now, but this term Makarios is, has an inherent understanding that it is in and of itself blessed. It is, it is blessed in and of itself. In other words, it's blessed because of what it already has. You don't have to bring or add anything else to it to bless it because it's got everything you want. And, and for the reasonable person, the, the healthy-minded person, they might go to Cyprus, they might go to this Makarios Island and never want to leave because everything they should want is there. You following me? The Makarios Island, Greek word for blessed, the blessed, in and of itself, blessed. For those of us who have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, everything we need is in us because he is in us. 
We are Makarios. Someone, someone say Makarios. Come on, someone say it like you're Greek. I don't have any idea how Greek say it, so. I heard the Spanish accent. I heard like a Puerto Rican accent. I heard an East Coast accent. I even heard it like this, Makarios, like a cowboy. I don't know what happened. Y'all said it good. It's blessed. So believer, if you're a believer, Jesus is all you need. If you're a believer, you, having the Holy Spirit in you, you are Makarios. You have everything you, would ever, you should ever want. And if you want something he don't have, you shouldn't want it. Can I get a witness? You shouldn't want it. You are Makarios. He is divinely intervening because he has all the power. He has everything that you would ever need. How many want a little divine intervention? If you don't want it, if that wasn't an easy yes, I'm talking to someone right now. I don't know your name, but you listen. What you hiding? What are you hiding? Why wouldn't we say, yeah, I want God to intervene? Unless we're protecting something. We got a vulnerability. And it's vulnerable because it isn't good. It's vulnerable The things that God offers you are steadfast. The things that the world, that the devil offers you, they're vulnerable. They're precarious. They're unstable. They make us unstable. We should want God's divine intervention. God, in this text, we see four ways, four ways that God intervenes. Four ways that I believe we all need God to intervene. Again, verse 5 of chapter 10. The five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Blackish, and Eglon joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The first miracle you need is that you need God to exercise power that you do not possess. It doesn't matter that it's five kings. I want you to see something here. It could have been 50 It could have been 500. It could have been 5,000 kings that rally against Joshua. It doesn't matter because he is the Lord of hosts. See, you need divine intervention because you need God to exercise power you do not have. There are problems in your life you cannot contend with. You cannot solve. You might be outnumbered if it's just you. I mean, there are real reasons people will succumb to depression or anxiety. There are real reasons. It isn't like we're pretending there aren't giants in the land. It isn't like we're going to pretend that that bad things don't happen. It isn't like we're going to pretend that you don't have enemies. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we said, yes, there is a conspiracy against you. It's not flesh and blood. There are powers at work against you, right? So we're not going to pretend. That, 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 oh, no, what you see isn't real. Not at all. But what we want to introduce into your reality is the fact that although you see giants in the land, also that although there might be five kings with all their authority and all their weapons of war and all of their might and, 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 and strong armies against you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is just as real as the five kings. That is just as real as the five kings. That is just as real as the five kings. See, you need his divine intervention. You can't do it on your own. That is not what you're going to hear from this pulpit. 
You want to hear someone tell you you can do it on your own? You won't hear that message here. You cannot. That's what you're going to hear. Good day. Have a great day. Enjoy your lunch. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it. You want your offering back? Let me know. You cannot do it. It's okay. <laughs> you don't think I mean it. You think I'm kidding. I, I didn't tell you. You cannot do it on your own. That's a cheap gospel that'll take you to hell. Because you can't save yourself. You can't even clean yourself up. You can't even keep a promise to your kids. And you love them. You would die for them. You would give them your kidney. But you can't keep a promise sometimes. You cannot do it on your own. You need a power that you do not possess. That's divine intervention. Are you with me? Number two, you need God to be where you cannot go. You need God to be where you are not. God is omnipresent. Look what, he, look what happens here in verse 10. It says, the Lord threw the, the, uh, the, the five kings and their armies into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. You need God at work in your boss's office. You need God at work in your cousin's house. You need God at work in the courtroom. You need God at work in places you cannot reach. You cannot get where you might think you need to get. And that's why we worship the true living God. He's God because he is God. He has God attributes. One of which is he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. And when you pray, he is there. When you're praying for someone who's lost, he is there. The Holy Spirit is there working. When you have adversity confronting you at work, you can pray. And the Lord can put into confusion the forces that are at work against you. And again, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Don't be silly. Don't get mad at the man or the woman that's in front of you. Aim your prayer at the adversary. The true adversary is the devil. It's the enemy and demonic strongholds. And the Lord can put all of that into confusion before you ever confront them. He is everywhere. Sometimes some of you need to take a deep breath and remind yourself, you're there. I think they're, in Spanish it's called chisme. In English, it's called gossip. <laughs> They're gossiping over there about me. Let the Holy Spirit deal with that. All that. All that. <laughs> you know, this is, see, look, look. For you, for some of you, Christianity, this walk with Jesus, you're just putting your toes in the water, is, is that maybe you've never heard this, but you shouldn't worry about what people say about you. See, those days should be over. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yes. You've been set free from that. Part of that is understanding, hey, God is, God's got all the power that I don't have, and God is everywhere I am not. He's working on your behalf. You are no longer a victim of circumstance. You are now a child of God, and the Heavenly Father is intervening. He is involved in your life. He is involved in your surroundings. He's involved even in the, in the enemy's camp. And he will stir it up on your behalf. He is everywhere. The third, the, the third way God intervenes is that he gives you what you do not have. 
Verse 11, as they fled before Israel on the road down from Ben-Huron to Ezekiel, the Lord hurled large hailstones on them. Can you believe that? You wouldn't believe that if it was the National Enquirer. That's not like a National Enquirer. They still make the National Enquirer? I don't know. I'm kind of old. The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. This is divine intervention. You know what God did here? He exercised, now this is very important. You ready? He exercised his creative power. He made something out of nothing. You cannot do that. Scientists cannot do that. They have to work with what God gave them. They don't create anything. Creation, true creation is something out of nothing. God spoke and the world existed. The universe was there. Do you understand that? This is incredibly important theology because if you are a carnal Christian, then you will forget that and you will, you will be looking for pieces. You'll try to grab pieces of things to give God so that he can try to bless it. You'll say, God, bless it. I got this car or I got this job or I'm in this relationship. You got to bless it. And God's like, I don't got to do nothing. I didn't tell you to get that loan. I didn't tell you to buy that car. I didn't tell you to start dating that girl. And we're like, bless it. If you're good, you'll bless it. He says, I'm good, so I'm going to not bless it. In fact, I just might curse it. He's like, I'm going to make it hard for you. Because that's not for you. I don't need you to help me. You don't have to get piece, broken pieces of other things. I can speak and give you what you want. I can speak and be good to you. You don't need to give me pieces. Just keep your covenant with me. Stay a candidate. I can speak if I made the universe with a word. You don't think I can give you a husband? You don't think I can provide for your bills? You don't think that I can heal your disease? All I can do, all I have to do is speak. And it is so. Why? Because he's the creative God. Are you following me? You need to know that. Because there are times when you're like looking out and you don't see nothing. You ain't seeing nothing happening. You're like, and nothing's coming together. That has nothing to do with whether or not God can come through for you. Keep your covenant. The fourth, I'll conclude with this, is that you need God to control what you cannot. Verse 13, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jashar. The book of Jashar is actually alluded to a few times in Old Testament scripture. It's considered, uh, we could, it's not found, it's been lost in history, but most scholars believe that it is a book of Israel's uh, heroes. Maybe their heroic accounts and maybe songs of, of, her, of uh, heroic acts by people in Israel's history. The point here, though, is that God made the sun stop. I set you up, Sully. I set you up. You have one job, Sully. Just kidding. He made the sun stop. To the control freaks, 
of which I'm a recovering member. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> to the control freaks who are willing to admit it. He controls what you do not. So take that deep breath. Give him your kids. Give him your career. Give him the unknowns of tomorrow. Be set free in Jesus' name. The control freakishness is killing you. It's killing relationships. You're not who you, your true self trying to control everybody and everything. But we serve the God who can control anything. He stopped the sun and he stopped, he said stop to the moon. And he held them there as long as his people needed him to. His covenant people. His people who had made a misinformed deal. They had not consulted with the Lord, but they made a covenant. And they're trying their best. Joshua and the people of Israel trying their best to keep their word. The Lord says, I see you. I see you. I'm going to stop the moon and the sun for you. I'm going to give you enough time. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to divinely intervene. You need me to. You might not vanquish all your enemies if I don't do something supernatural. You may not win the day completely, utterly, unless I do something miraculous. And so I'm going to hold the sun, I'm going to hold the moon, and you're going to fight your fight. I'll even kill more than half of the enemy for you, but you're going to do some work. You're going to learn how to fight, and you're going to sweat, and you might get wounded in the midst of it, but you'll heal. I'm going to divinely intervene, because you're my children. You're my people. You're my people. I'll end with this. I... I have some Samoan friends, and I, I love Samoan friends because they're so, you know, loving and they sing really well, like my Samoan friends. And they call me uncle. That's like part of the tradition, Samoan culture. And, and, and I, I especially, uh, my, my particular Samoan friends are really big, strong guys, and I feel very safe. <laughs> I feel, I, you know, when it was Pastor Eric, I felt safe, but when I'm uncle, I feel well, who wants to talk to me now? <laughs> they call me uncle, right? Like, they love me. They pick me up like this. I, I'm so petite, but they still, they pick me up. They hold me. 
put me down, pat my head. One of them, one of them pats my head. I let him. <laughs> the power of God at work in us. When he calls you family, you are my son. You are my daughter. I have not forgotten you. You desperately need me. Figure that out. Figure that out, that you desperately need me so that you keep my covenant. And I will work. I will be where you cannot. I will do what you cannot. I will control what you cannot. I will divinely intervene. And you will have a pure heart the longer you walk with me to see me every day. You'll see me. You'll see me. It won't always be as dramatic as a moon or a sun stopping. In fact, no one else might see how I destroyed the work of the enemy with a large hailstone. You'll see it, though. You'll see I did that. I did that. I did that for you. Would you stand with me, family? And I just want to pray a blessing over you. He wants to divinely intervene. Keep your covenant with him. Maintain your covenant with him. Do what is right in his eyes. Desperately recognize how desperately you need his intervention. Makarios is the poor in spirit. Blessed. Makarios is the, is the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Makarios is the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue that purification of our spirits, of our hearts, that we would see you today, that we could look back even at yesterday and recognize that you were with us. We invite you to intervene. And we redevote ourselves to keeping our covenant relationship with you. That we will abide and devote ourselves to pleasing you. That our number one agenda would not be to make more money, would not be to strive and accomplish anything on this earth that will stay. But our priority, Lord, every day when we arise, every new day you gift us, we would think, how might I please the Lord today? And with that, we will be witnesses of your miraculous power. And you and you alone will get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you praise him today, family? What a wonderful Sunday. What a wonderful Sunday. We love you. If you need prayer here or at home, if you need prayer, words of encouragement, text us, connect at that number. Join a Thrive group and we'll see you next Sunday. Bring a friend. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.